Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. Haley. And so uh, it has been such a blessing to be a part of this church for so long, and uh, it's a blessing to be with all of you this morning. Um, so as, as was mentioned earlier, today is our final message in this series on irrational generosity, and uh, so far we've had four great, inspiring, and convicting messages on generosity. Amen? Amen. Um, well, hopefully after today, uh, you're not saying four out of five is still good. So, so no. Um, as many of you know, I've had the honor and the privilege to speak uh, to this church before on the subject of giving and, and generosity. And uh, so uh, you may be wondering, well, why is that something that you, you keep coming back to? And uh, I'll tell you, it, it, it's not because... I've got this all wired. It's actually completely the opposite. Um, what, what happens up here is I'm pretty much preaching a sermon to myself, and you guys can all listen in. Uh, but uh, I continue to wrestle with many of these issues that, that uh, maybe some of you wrestle with when it comes to generosity, when it comes to giving of the, and, and uh, giving of the blessings that we've been given. So uh, that's where I come from. Um, why five messages on generosity? Uh, if you're a little bit cynical like me, you may have asked this question of yourself uh, or asked this question out loud. Uh, if, um, if the church needs money, why don't they just say so? Okay? <laughs> why, why have five messages to talk about it? Okay? Um, and and to, to that, I would lovingly say to you that generosity is so much deeper than that. It, it really gets to the core, the very core, the essence of who we are as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and what it does is it provides tangible, our generosity is really tangible evidence of a couple of things. The first is our love and what matters to us. And, the, the, you know, we just sang uh, oh, how he loves us. I won't, I won't sing it to you, so I'll spare you that. But it gets to uh, a very famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. How do we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves us? For God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave. Okay, so love, our, our generosity, our giving is, a, is concrete evidence of our love. And you may be wondering why there's an old barbecue that's uh, pictured up here on the screen. That's another example of that. Um, uh, 
that barbecue was one of the last gifts that my dad ever gave to me before he passed away some 12 years ago. And so why do I keep it around? Because it's, ta it's a tangible connection to him. And the love that I know that he had for me. Do I need, do I, will I get a new barbecue at some point? Yeah, probably. But it's kind of hard to part with it. I know others of you might have sentimental items. Mine just happens to be a barbecue. So, uh, um, you know, Paul talks about this in, in the, in the uh, book of 2 Corinthians. He says that your giving, your generosity is a test of the sincerity of your love. Ouch. Okay. So it means, are you all talk, or does your talk combine with action? Is your, do you say that you love God, or, and does that love translate into action, which means, in this case, we're talking about generosity. The second thing is, is that our generosity is tangible evidence of who we trust. Do we trust God when it comes to generosity? Do we actually believe the words of Jesus? And I'm going to give you a couple of examples to think about. Do we actually believe those words enough that we're going to change the way that we live? Let me give you a first example. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus says, among other things, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, there's a little voice, a little rebellious voice in me, could be in you, that says, you know, it kind of does kind of does and and so do i really do i really believe god when he's when and jesus when he says no it doesn't consist in the abundance of your possessions second second verse i'll i'll share with you luke chapter 6 verse 38 jesus says this he says give and it will be given to you not the same measure good a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over so what, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that if I give, God is going to take care of me? God's, God says in other places in Scripture, he's going to take care of our needs. Now, in my Bible, I want to scratch that out and put wants. But that's what it says. It says needs. He'll take care of our needs. Do we really trust him that that's the case? That's a question for you, and it's a, and for you, and it's a question for me. Um, and there's also something else that, that if you read through the passages in, in the Bible that talk about giving, that talk about uh, 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 being generous, um, there's a rhythm to that, uh, that process. Uh, my friend Ron Mahler pointed this out to me. Give, receive, give some more, all the while trusting for God's provision. This rhythm of generosity is only going to happen if we trust God. So what does this tell us? It tells us that trust and generosity go together. And so the more that you trust God, the more generous you can be. The less that we trust God, the less generous we're going to be. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Um, before we move on, I want to just kind of lay the foundation for a few things that, that, that will help us when we get to some of these how-tos I want to talk about in terms of excelling in generosity. The first one is, is that we, we think about generosity, a lot of times our focus goes right to, to money and, and finances, and that's certainly part of it. But it's, also, it's all of the resources that we have available to us, all of the blessings that God has given to us. It could be time. It could be our talents, the, the gifts and the abilities that, that we have as much as it is about our, our finances. So when we talk about generosity, that's the, that's the breadth 
of what we're talking about. It's, it's not just a narrowly focused uh, on money. Um, and the, the other thing I wanted to say about this is that, is that if God spends a lot of ink in, in his word talking about how we deal with our possessions and our money. Do you know there are over, I think Fred mentioned this in his message, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about how we deal with our possessions and how we deal with our, our finances. Um, what we do with our resources matters to God. And hopefully it will matter, it matters to, to all of us in, in terms of how we can um, follow God in this, in this call to be more irrationally generous. Um, so an, I want to establish a, another part of this foundation, and that is that uh, there are a couple of, of, of prerequisites. If you were in college, you know all about prerequisites, okay? You, that's, that's get through, let's get to this, let's get through this before we can move on to the next thing. And the first thing is, is that this is all based upon a grateful heart. Uh, Pastor Gary reminded us at the beginning of the series, if, if you're a believer, if you're a follower in Jesus, that, that our generosity is a response. It, it, it overflows, not because it's God's trying to pull it out of us, but because it just naturally overflows from the fact that we are so grateful and thankful for the fact that through the gospel we've been rescued by his generous grace and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and so that, so that we can uh, live for him and that, that through that saving grace, uh, that saving grace would then overflow in rich generosity to others. others. If, we don't, if we don't start there, then, then what I'm going to talk about uh, in the following few minutes doesn't really matter. The second is, is something that, that I, wanted to, I, I need to remind myself of and hopefully remind all of you, which is that we need to recognize that, and I know it, we, we, we do understand this, but maybe we need to bring it to the forefront of our thoughts, and that is that we need to understand that we were created to be generous. We were created to be generous. We weren't, we weren't created to be, I wasn't created to be selfish. I picked that up on my own, okay? And we can see that w those of you that have been parents or are parents of toddlers, are, do toddlers, do, do they show generosity? They do at times, but a lot of times what you hear from a toddler is mine, 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 okay? Because they, there's that, there's that you know, kind of that nature that's coming through, but but if we take a step back and we look at what God's word says, he says in Genesis chapter 1, we were created in the image of God. We were created in the image of God. We all understand that. Well, what is, what are the, what is the nature of this God? We said it earlier. Our God is a generous God. Um, Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that God lavishes the rich of his, riches of his grace on us. Our God is a generous God. We were created in his image. We were created and designed to be generous. But God doesn't force it out of us. He's not, he's not trying to pull it out of us. He's, he's lovingly standing there saying, I created you to be generous. And we're going to talk about there, that uh, at the end of this message today. So what is the nature of this godly generosity uh, that we've been called to? Uh, there, are, there are three things that I want to talk about there. The first is, is that godly generosity has an eternal purpose. It goes beyond the generosity. We see a lot. We see evidence of generosity all around us, and, and uh, uh, that's great. 
But this type of generosity that we as believers have been called to is, is generosity that has an eternal purpose. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So it's, it's seeing those good deeds that, that, and generosity is a part of that, that leads to them glorifying your Father in heaven. Or 1 Peter 2, verse 12 the Apostle Peter writes, Live such good lives amongst the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So our generosity leads, godly generosity leads to eternal purposes. Uh, and when we as Christians are practicing this type of generosity, we are pointing people not to, not to me, not to me, but to the ultimate gift, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's godly generosity. Now, Jesus also warns us about something that, that uh, we could be tempted to do, and that is to uh, practice a generosity that does point to me instead of to him. In other words, I'm showing off, or I'm, I want everybody to know how generous I am uh, on, on something. And so if you want to read more about that, uh, read Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and he talks about that. Second thing is, that godly generosity should cost us something. Okay, I don't want to think about that. I don't like sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. But that's exactly what godly generosity is. Godly generosity says, is, is exemplified by the fact that, that God gave up his one and only son for, for us. Jesus' generosity was on full display to the entire world on the cross. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians, Paul says that Jesus, though he was rich, for our sake became poor through, so that through his poverty, we might become rich. Again, it's that, it's that sacrificial element to godly generosity. So what about my generosity? Am I generous only to the point that it doesn't cost me very much? I'm actually okay at that, pretty good at that. What he's saying is, is your generosity sacrificial? God, my generosity is sacrificial. How about yours? So godly generosity, third, is only found in Christ. It's only found in Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, uh, Paul writes, For we are God's handiwork, created where? In Christ, to do good works, that gener uh, which that generosity is a part of those good works. So the bottom line to all this is that without Jesus, we will never never experience the generosity we were created for or the joy that comes with seeing God multiply our generosity for his purposes. God does something miraculous with our generosity and our gifts. He takes these, these uh, temporal things like money and our, our possessions and our talents and he converts them miraculously to eternal things. Through his, through his purposes. We don't do that. He does it. But he's asking us to, be, uh, to offer up those gifts and those blessings so that he can do that work. John, John Dickinson, in his message last week, said it all um, very succinctly. He said, it all starts with accepting the generous gift of eternal life in Jesus. If you're here and you haven't accepted that gift, I so want you to think about uh, accepting that gift of eternal life because it's only then that you can experience this godly generosity that I'm talking about. 
All right. Let's turn with me now to the ver- to, excuse me to the book of Second Corinthians, chapter eight. You can find that uh, passage on page eleven sixty one in the Bible in front of you. And we're going to read a couple of verses here, uh, starting with verse 1. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, not the church he's writing to, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, there's that word again, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So my first question is, how does that even happen? How does it happen that uh, extreme poverty wells up in rich generosity? I mean, I could, I could begin to understand if he said their extreme wealth welled up in rich generosity, but that's not what he says. He says their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. There's only one way that happens, and that's through Jesus. That's the only way that that, that, that can happen. Um, it's only through Christ, it's only through His grace, and it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that that, that type of generosity uh, can happen. Well, let's look down at verse 7 of chapter 8. And I want to focus in on this verse uh, for the rest of our time together. Uh, Paul writes this. He says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. The Greek word for, uh, one definition of the Greek word for excel is to exceed a fixed number or measure, to be over and above a certain number of measure. Gary gave me another definition a little earlier. It's giving it all you've got. That's, that's what we're talking about here. Um, so how does that relate to our generosity? Well, it relates in this way. There's no having arrived uh, at when, we're wanting, when Paul is calling us to excel and God is calling us to excel in generosity. There's no, there's no arrived yet. We get that when it comes to uh, learning an instrument or doing something, uh, training for something. We get this, co- this concept of excelling and wanting to do better and, and uh, have a better time or, or uh, be able to play a song better or whatever it is. We understand the concept of excellence. And the question I have for, for me and for you is, can we and will we apply that to our generosity? Uh, for a Christian, when it comes to generosity, uh, this is a catchphrase that, that maybe you can walk away with. Auto pay is okay. A lot of you... You know, give to the church and give to other causes through auto pay. Some, uh, some amount of money comes out of your bank account. Auto pay is okay. Autopilot is not. Autopilot is not. And that's what Paul is saying here. So how do we, how do we excel at generosity? How do we, how do we uh, uh, take this verse and apply it to our life? And I want to give, I want to go through about six, six or so things here to kind of give you some thoughts on that. The first one, it's very obvious, but uh, we need to decide to start. We need to decide we're going to start, or we need to decide we're going to excel and take things to a, to a different level. Um, I understand that, that in, a, in, a, in a room like this, that, that there are those of us that have made some poor decisions with our, our money or our time 
or our resources. And, and I get that. I get that. And you may be dealing with the consequences of those poor decisions. Um, what I'm suggesting to you, what I'm uh, challenging you to do is to start. Even if it's a very small amount that you're going to say, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to excel at generosity in this small amount because that's all I can do right now. Just start. And if you're at a point, in your, at a point where you're, you're being generous, I'm, I'm challenging you to excel and take it, take it to the next level and continue to uh, give it all you've got, if you will. Um, next next uh, how-to is let's, we need to plan to be generous. Uh, it's in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul writes, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. The, it's a it's a act of forethought. In other words, it just doesn't we generosity just doesn't happen. We we plan to be generous. That's the concept here is is planning and thinking ahead to uh, the opportunities that are going to come up that where perhaps we can be generous. And so uh, part of that again is is the next point, which is let's budget let's budget to be generous. Uh, and and what does that mean? That means with our time. And with our, with our treasure, with our talents, let's live below our means, okay? Uh, a lot of you are familiar with that concept when it comes to money, uh, and many of you practice that, which is great. You live below your means. Uh, and that means that, that, that you have some potential margin there that you can be generous with. The same goes with our time. How many of us have a calendar that's just chock full of stuff? activities and all kinds of things that are on that calendar. Is there any margin there for you and me to be generous? Sometimes not. And, that, and that's what we're talking about, is living below our means in all of those areas so that we have available resources with which we can be more generous. Um, one of the things that, that uh, is part of this is that a lot of opportunities to be generous come up unexpectedly. Um, we don't know that, for example, that there's going to be a, a natural disaster or something, uh, and and there's there's a need for um, resources or you know a need for your time, a need for your money. We don't know when those things are going to happen. So, part of this is budgeting for the unplanned, uh, budgeting and 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 having that uh, having those resources available when the unplanned event comes up. Uh, and there's lots of help out there in this regard. If you want a plan to be more generous, if you want to budget to be more generous, if you want uh, to, to, to start moving in that dis- d- uh, direction, uh, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, that is a great resource in terms of uh, getting a handle on your finances and, and such that you can um, become, practice more this idea of godly generosity. Uh, fourth thing here is let's look beyond our family and our friends. Let's look beyond our family and our friends. And it's really easy. It's really easy for me as a parent to be generous to my own children. Uh, and I can only imagine this, but those of you that are in the audience that are grandparents, you can, you can uh, say yes or no to this. I would imagine it's even easier to be generous to your grandkids, right? Um, but the, the generosity that's talked about in Scripture goes beyond our friends, our, our family, our friends. Uh, it, godly generosity is outwardly focused. It overflows to the people 
that are around us. You know, God, excuse me, John talked about this last week in his remarks where he said, um, the church is God's plan A to reach the world, and there is no plan B. Um, so when it comes to our generosity uh, through the church and through, and through other ways, uh, we're talking about reaching out to the poor. We're talking about reaching out to foreigners, to refugees, to those, to those that go beyond our, our sphere of uh, who we come in contact with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, the, the families in Rwanda that have been blessed by this church uh, and the filters that we've built, the money that we raise, that's an example of this godly generosity that uh, I'm talking about. All right, I want to um, come back to something that I talked about, oh, probably close to 10 years ago. And if you would, turn to the book of Psalms, verse 67. Psalms, verse 67. Excuse me, Psalms 67, and we'll just read the, uh, the first couple of verses there. The psalmist writes this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. In other words, what what this verse is saying is that God wants to use us as a conduit for his blessings. God blesses us on one end of this conduit. uh, Through our generosity, those blessings come out and bless others. Why? Look at verse 2. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. That's That's that element of eternal purpose here being played out in this verse. Now, first thing I want to mention here is that it all belongs to God anyway, okay? Uh, We are stewards and not owners, Um, and so when it comes to these blessings, the first thing we have to realize is when they go in, they all belong to God anyway, And, and so that helps keep this pipeline clear by realizing that. Um, the more that we assert our ownership of our, of our blessings, the more we say, that's mine. That's my time. That's my car. That's my house. The more we, more we assert our ownership, the less generous we're going to be. The less generous I'll be, the less generous you'll be. Um, so first, thing, first things first, realize, recognize, act on the fact that that we are, we are not owners of these things, these blessings, these resources. We're stewards. Um, second thing I want to talk about is the fact that this pipeline can get... Now, since I'm a person who works in the water industry, it was just real natural for me to, to have a pipeline analogy. But this pipeline can get clogged up. It can get clogged up with a number of things, mostly things that we choose to do. Uh, and I want to talk about a couple of them just really quickly here. The first discontentment I'm going to talk about is our old friend, my old friend, discontentment. Okay? How does discontentment clog up our pipeline? Well, first of all, the focus is on me instead of on God and his, prom- and his purposes. And what, is, what can discontentment do? Well, discontentment can take away resources that would have otherwise been available to be generous with 
and they, and they get used for other things like spending. Ever heard of retail therapy? Ever hear of debt? Uh, these are all consequences of discontentment. Um, I want to show you an interesting uh, thing here that just, it's amazing how when you read God's word for, and you read the same passage several different times, things just pop out to you where they haven't popped out to you in the past. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4, and I want to look at verse, first of all, verse 13. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says this. Paul writes this. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Earlier, the, the earlier version of the NIV that I memorized said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is one of the most well-known, oft-quoted verses in the entire New Testament. Some of you may have it on your wall at home. Some of you may have it on a plaque or something like that. Uh, and there's really a lot of power and promise in this verse. Uh, you know, a lot of assuredness that, you know, I can do this because Jesus is, Christ is strengthening me. Um, what we don't really consider is what the context is of this verse. You know, when, when you're studying scripture, context is everything. Well, what is the context of this word, of this verse? Let me just, before you look at it, let me just ask the question. You would think that a powerful verse like this would, would follow uh, uh, some lofty passage about um, achieving great things for God. Nope. How about a lofty passage about overcoming evil? Nope. How about a passage about persevering through challenges and trials? Nope. So what does it precede? Let's look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, I know what it is to, have, to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, while well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You're kidding me. So this, most, this, this, this passage that God uses to place one of his most powerful promises to Christians in a, a, in a place where it follows a discussion on contentment. Do you think contentment matters to God? I think so. I think so. I think the question for all of us is, does it matter to me? Does it matter to you? Uh, and as it relates to contentment, the first thing that we have to do if, if, is acknowledge that we have a problem with contentment. Some of us need to do that. Some of us need to acknowledge that I have a problem with contentment. Uh, and, and then Paul, Paul, through, Paul gives us a solution. He says, I can overcome discontentment through Christ who strengthens me. That's what this verse is saying. We love reading verse 13. We don't so much want to see the context of that particular passage. All right, I'm going to give you kind of the other spectrum of things here, which is you may, say, you may be sitting there saying, I don't have a problem really with discontent. I live below my means. I, I am generous. Um, and so I want to challenge you in another area of life, and that is the, the issue of security. And what do I mean by that? I found this quote when I was doing the re researching this message, and it says this. We need to make sure that our saving and our investing is not about a paranoia we have about the future. 
Saving excessively for retirement can indicate a failure to trust God. There's that, there's that issue again, trust, trust. Turn with me to quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. I want to show you something there. Paul writes this to, to Timothy. Timothy is in Ephesus at this time. He says, command those who are rich, and there were plenty of rich people in Ephesus at that time, uh, not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. So my question to you and to me, are we putting our hope in our 401k? Are we putting our hope in our bank accounts? Are we putting our hope in our stuff? Uh, I'm not saying, I don't want you to walk away from this message thinking that I'm saying that we shouldn't save or invest or plan for the future or plan for retirement. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying is that I, I ask you to consider this question. Does your saving and investing include God and his purposes? The godly generosity we've been talking about, or is it about all about you, your family, your lifestyle, your security? And I can't answer that for anybody but me, and I, I give that question to you. That's a question only you can answer. So lastly, uh, I, I uh, challenge all to pray for opportunities to be generous. And in my notes, I put, if you dare. Because praying for generosity, opportunities to be generous, is a lot like praying for, praying for patience, right? Uh, we really, really want to, but then we don't want to, right? So I feel a lot of uh, responsibility to sort of as the closer to this series and what, what I would like to say as we close. And uh, I want to leave you with this illustration. Uh, it's an illustration that I think embodies the challenge and, and my trepidation when it comes to being more generous. This scene has played itself out in pools uh, over, over many, many years, and I'm sure it's played itself out in your family where this little boy is being, is, is the, the father is standing there saying, just jump, just jump. And uh, the analogy to me is, is that my heavenly father is in that pool of generosity, and I'm on the, I'm on the deck. I'm on the pool deck. And, and he's saying, Bob, just jump. Just jump. Just, I've got this. Trust me. Uh, I'm going to take care of, uh, I'm going to take care of your needs. You can't outgive me. You can't. Just try it. I dare you to try it. But I'm, I'm on the pool deck saying, you know, I kind of like my stuff. I like my bank accounts. I like, you know, where I am. How about if I just put my foot in? Would that be okay? How about if I just, just kind of uh, um, dangle my feet in there and get, get, get wet a little bit, but, but I'm, still, I'm still here on the pool deck. And, and the father is saying, oh, Bob, oh, Bob, if, if, you, if, you just, if you just would recognize that I created you, I designed you to be generous. Uh, the refreshment that comes from jumping in, the, the, the joy that, that's there when you, when you watch me use the gifts that you give to bless others, when you watch me use those gifts and transform them into something eternal. Um, but you, you've got to make that move. I'm not going to force you to do it, but I'm, I'm telling you, jump, and I, I've got this. Trust me. Uh, and so... As we close, I want to encourage everybody, encourage all of us, myself and everybody in this room, to take the plunge, to take the plunge into irrational generosity. 
You and I were made for it. We were designed for it. And you won't, you won't regret it. Let's pray. Lord, you're a great and generous God. You gave your one and only son to us. And you continue to lower your blessings on us so that we can be a blessing to others. Lord, help us to unclog our pipelines if they're clogged. Help us to trust you more and to take that plunge. Change us from the inside out. Help us to excel more in this irrational generosity that you have created us for and designed us for and made us for. And multiply our gifts so that more people will come to know the love of your son and the saving grace that comes with it. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.